0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Exit Podcast, this is Dr. Bennett, I'm here with Christian from Reposa. Reposa is an algorithmic trading platform that helps people set up essentially trading bots so that they can trade in a more sophisticated way without learning how to code. And I wanted to have him on the show to talk about the fintech startup game. What's it like to bootstrap uh, a software application like this from the ground up? And he's been at it for about a year. So it's uh, it's an opportunity to harvest some of those first lessons and, and learn what that game's like from the inside. So welcome, Christian.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you. So most people in this game either they fall into one of two camps either they are just looking for some kind of application that will be useful and so they're just throwing stuff at the wall they're they're trying all sorts of different things and and their goal is just basically to be a tech entrepreneur they're not like trying to pursue one particular goal and there's other people who are like no ever since i was a little boy i've felt that people needed to have their food delivered to them by, you know, gig economy, you know, whatever. And I, I'm interested to know of the two camps, which do you fall under? Is this, is this the thing or is this something that you're just, uh, trying out?
1: Yeah, I think I'm more in the latter camp of, I think that this is something that, that's, um, I'm personally passionate about, um, because, so I guess a little bit of my background, you know, I had, I got started trading and investing back when I was 16 years old. So, um, I love the challenge of it. I love the math. I love it when the trade works out. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm also a lazy engineer. So I only want to do something once. Uh, after I do something once, or if I have some rules or a repeated process, I just want to have a machine that does it for me. So algorithmic and quantitative trading was really natural for me. It was something that I, I gravitated to early. And I started getting involved in this field um, shortly after I finished my master's and um, I I dove into it and began to build my own trading system. So this was back in 2014, 2015 timeframe. Um, And at the time, there were platforms out there like Quantopian, uh, which would give you data and compute so you could develop strategies and backtest them on their systems. They had ideas about open sourcing, you know, quant development so you could submit your strategies to their system. And if they were in the top percentile, I don't remember if it was top five, top 10, top one, something like that, they'd choose it and trade it for a certain amount of time. I think typically it was like a month or so um and then they would give you a cut of the rewards uh they, and um i started playing around with this to just kind of get my feet wet and start playing with this and i was like oh i love this this is a lot of fun i can trade i can set up a machine that does it for me the math is is really cool you know so m- for me just for uh listeners you know my background i've got a phd in uh, focused on optimization and machine learning so i love all the geeky nerdy math stuff that's uh you know, kind of where or that, that, that that's my background and I, and I feel totally comfortable there. But when I got involved with some of these things like Quantopian, I didn't stick there very long because it was a lot of work and very little reward uh, comparatively to, you know, working my day job. <laughs> you could be capped at, I think it was uh, $5,000 a month um, and, that, and it wasn't guaranteed because you were always in competition with everybody else. So you could use these algorithms and develop them but they weren't running on your own accounts. So it was running on their accounts for their customers and so you're doing really- from their
0: end because they're just crowdsourcing this brilliant, brilliant, uh, these brilliant algorithms. That's like w- with uh, I mean, like you're, you're taking less risk because it's not your money. But at the same time, it's like you're, you're giving away a huge
1: amount of value. Right. And they had thousands of people working on this to try to develop a lot of these algorithms so that they could turn around and sell that to their uh, institutional investors and clients and manage their money. So they would um, try to run it. Now, the, they shut down a couple of years ago, I think in 2020, they, they wound up closing down because they weren't able to make it a profitable business model. But yeah, that was the whole pitch is you don't have to worry about this, you know, be in the top. We, you think you're smart. We think you're smart. So uh, let's see what you can do. We'll give you all the tools and uh, let you go and run and try to make something work. Uh, at the end, it didn't, but they had a good run at it for, you know, eight, nine years, something like that of actually putting some of the software out there and other things. But that's really kind of where I got my um, feet wet, you know, running in, in this space of of algorithmic trading and thought, man, this is something that's really cool and a lot of fun to, for me to do. So I took some of my learnings there and started to actually apply that to some of my own accounts and start building my own systems and, and and run from there.
0: So the advantage to this process that you've developed is that you don't have to learn how to code, but you do have to learn quite a lot about trading. And so you're, you're targeting a a particular type of person who, who, who doesn't have the, the code skills, but has like these finance quant skills, or are you trying to like educate people who maybe don't have that kind of knowledge into a place where they can kind of build their own bots? Like who's your target customer?
1: Right. Ideally we'd like to go after people who are, uh, trading according to trend following principles. They consider themselves trend followers. And the way I like to think of it is I like to break down all of trading uh, into basic two broad categories, trend following strategies and mean reversion strategies. So the basic uh, idea behind that is that trend following or sometimes called momentum trading is basically when something moves in one direction, you want to jump on it and follow that momentum effects. Um, all the way through, so you can get these really big moves like Tesla or Bitcoin or some of this other stuff that's been making headlines over the over the past few years, either long or short, and be able to just ride a trend for for a long period of time. And you can do shorter term or longer term trend following. Uh, I, you know, we can talk a little bit about where I think most retail and individual investors should be, but. Um, The other side is mean reversion, where essentially you see something that you think is going to be uh, overbought or oversold. It reaches to a high or a low within some type of range, and then you take the opposite position. So if it's really low, then you try to buy low and sell high, or you short it when it's high and try to um, cover your shorts. Once it moves back, once it moves lower, that's the kind of, those those are the two basic paradigms. And so we've uh, tried to build this more for trend following approach, um, because, you know, kind of going back to my experience with Quantopian and getting involved in quantitative finance and trading, I realized that a lot of people were being pushed more towards the short term uh, mean reversion type of strategies. And this is great and all, there's a lot of work there, but it's very crowded space and part of the reason is that um you know quantopian they were doing like these kind of monthly challenges and want to know what whatever's happening uh at the month at the end of the month to to appease their institutional investors and that's where a lot of hedge funds are that's where a lot of the big quant shops like rentek or citadel or others they're focusing on kind of these monthly getting these great results um month over month uh quarter over quarter uh for their for their investors so when you start to move down towards those short-term strategies you're playing against those guys and that's uh tougher game to play than if you were willing to move a little bit more slowly and take kind of these longer trends that that can develop
0: cool so so from a from an education perspective from like an investment education perspective though are you targeting like intermediate types or 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 like who who who, who's listening to this should be looking into Raposa besides everybody right
1: Everybody, of course, right? Yeah, you target everybody and you get nobody. So uh, um, basically, because I didn't really answer that question very well, but uh, <laughs> we, we're going after, you know, people who um, see themselves as trend followers, but maybe they would like to take it to, to the next level because backtesting is, is one of the big challenges that a lot of traders run into because they can't code. Uh, so they're just basically running strategies in Excel and they can get some rules that they can cobble together from books and from the internet or just trial and error and be able to, to run something. But what we allow you to do is to actually backtest it first before you go and deploy it into the market. You can't really do this on an Excel sheet. You know, you're going to need to get 30, 20, uh, 40 years of, of history or whatever it might be. Um, put it into an Excel sheet and then try to manually update things as you go. And, um, so backtesting is just, is just kind of out of the question for, for most people. You have to know how to code unless you're like super skilled at, at Excel in a way that I can't even imagine. Um, <laughs> it's going to be just, it's, it's a challenge. So we have had a lot of people who are trend followers uh, come to us and say, hey, I love this because this fills in that skill gap that I have. I can't code so I can use your system. To actually tweak my tweak my trend following systems, and then when I'm happy with it, I can just hit a button and I'll be emailed trade alerts every time a system is going every time my bot decides to to trade and I can run multiple bots simultaneously get the emails and then go enter the trades myself In the future we'd like to make it fully automated end to end so that's where we're, we're we're headed that's on our roadmap at least for now, we're sending people alerts um, when they uh, make their trades. And part of this is, you know, we're focused on trend following. So it's a little bit slower than, you know, we can do this on daily data and you can make, you can make your updates at the end of the day um, or early in the morning, the next day before market opens, whatever, you, whatever fits your schedule and uh, go from there. So we're just basically sending our alerts. And so we're trying to target those people who are already interested in trend following and trying to practice it themselves, but really yeah. want to expand their capabilities. Now, along, that, along with that, we have a lot of educational material and content on our site. We've got 80 or 90 different blog posts. We've started uh, putting tutorial videos and other things like that. Uh, on the website so that people can learn about different strategies. We show them how to build and use the tools uh, with just a few clicks. We think it's pretty easy and intuitive, uh, but we built it. So we're always you know, trying to refine it to make it a bit easier for people to, to work with, put up that educational content um, so that anybody who's actually interested, maybe trend following or this type of momentum trading is new to you. You can go there and see a couple of videos and then run a profitable strategy and decide, hey, this is something I'm interested in.
0: So you decided to build this, you got started with this after Quantopian failed, right?
1: Uh, well, we incorporated about a year ago, but I had been working on this probably since 2018, 2019, just, uh, you know, on the side, you know, here and okay. there and, and and putting some time into it. But uh, as far as the business was concerned, we didn't really get that started until last year.
0: Got it. Okay. So, and and were you consciously like, say in 2018 when Quantopian was still around, were you consciously like, I want to supplant them? I want to replace what they're doing? Or were you thinking like, this is just sort of, I'm going to swim in different water? Or what what were you thinking there?
1: Um, I kind of wanted to go in a different direction uh, entirely. So, I basically, uh, after my short year or so working on their platform, I had kind of abandoned them and more or less. (laughs) <laughs> left them left him behind uh, because it was just, hey, I can do this on my own. I know how to code. I can build these systems. I can get the data. And I don't really want to go into this really short-term biased area that everybody was kind of being pushed towards. Um, I found that I can be much more profitable as a trader by thinking more long-term and by adopting some of these other strategies that weren't really embraced by some of the platforms and some of the quants. Because um, when you break it down, trend following, you know, and this is going to turn to a pitch for trend following, right, um, is, a, is a pretty simple idea, right? You're, you're looking for something that's going to be moving up and you have a number of different indicators that you can use. You can make it really basic, like look at a simple moving average. So if a price is above a long-term moving average, then you basically uh, put a bet down that that's going to continue. Um, and you have a stop loss in place, so you take a small loss if it doesn't. And if it does continue, you, know, you can get those type of Bitcoin, Tesla moves, those long-term Google, Apple moves, uh, other things like that where you just hold on to it for a couple of years and keep on moving up your stop loss until it, until it closes out and then close out with a profit. If it doesn't work out for you, you have a, have a small amount of uh, capital at risk, and you, and you move on. So that's how this kind of system works at a high level. And um, there are a lot of you know great mathematical properties to it that I like, um, and it's a bit counterintuitive, and so it isn't terribly popular. Um, but it's very profitable, and there are tons of people with great track records for it. They don't blow up. It's, it's uh, because of because of the mathematical properties of the way that you're you're actually building these systems. Um, so yeah, going in this direction, uh, you know, I kind of abandoned you know where a lot of the more mainstream quantitative finance stuff was going on the AI machine learning type of approach. Um, You know, I've tried to run those models. I've I've put those models in place. Very, very difficult. You need a lot of data. Um, If you're going to go towards the high frequency route, you know, you've got to be like co-located with servers. It becomes very expensive. Data costs start to shoot up. Um, And it's, again, just a crowded space to play in. So kind of moving away from that um, into the slower area, I I find it to be much more more comfortable for me personally because I'm not worried about uh, tail risks. I'm not worried about a lot of the other things that... um, typically hit those mean reversion type of strategies.
0: So when people get started on your platform, is it, uh, are you, are you hard Well, let me ask you this. So are you harvesting the, the information that you glean from all this back testing uh, for your own purposes? Like, I, I mean, I imagine you're still gathering tons of useful information from the bots that people create, right? Like, is there a plan to, to monetize that, uh, with your own trading or, or what, what are you doing with that information?
1: To be honest no. I mean, I, couldn't care less what people are running on the, on the strategy. We don't look at that data. Uh, the only thing that we might look into is if we see that there's some sort of error that's associated with a, with a particular strategy, then we'll recreate it to try to debug it. Um, but we have no intent whatsoever. Um, you know, I think we have it even in our terms and conditions that we aren't going to trade on this information. We're not going to sell it. We don't want to be like a Robin hood or uh, other funds, that are taking people's information and selling it without necessarily without their explicit consent, you know, sure you click on the terms and conditions on Robinhood or um, some of these free brokers and, and, you know, you've consented, but who's, who actually reads those, you know, we don't want to do that because um, we really think we, we really think that this type of approach uh, is very valuable for a lot of individual investors. And we want to try to empower them. We don't want to try to, you know, turn around and sell some of this stuff to, uh, to, to people who are going to be trading against them, or trying to look for those issues, um, and on top of that, we're quite small at this time. Um, hopefully, that that will change in the future. But at least you know we're a year old as as far as the company's is concerned. Um, nobody's going to be trying to buy our data right now, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to to trade against it and to look at what those what those strategies look like. Um, obviously, we expect that to change. We hope that's going to change as we grow. Um, but it's not in the cards. We want to we go with a subscription model so that people pay for access to the data that we're, that we buy, to the platform that we've built and, um, to, and everything that we provide. And, and that's how we intend to monetize. We don't uh, have any intention whatsoever of selling data.
0: I, it's interesting as the, the next wave of like tech startups uh, hits the ground. It seems like there is this, at least among the people that are sort of ideologically sympathetic um, to whatever extent that there's this, there's this sense of being grossed out by how much data is being collected and and monetized. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I I think that's, I think that's smart um, to be out front about like, Hey, this is, we're just selling picks and shovels. We're not competing with you to find the, the mother load um that's that i think is very smart so how did you build your initial team
1: yeah so um basically it's it's uh hitting the pavement <laughs> and, and working the network right uh so uh, i've been lucky to be at um some great cs universities um and so have a lot of good coding talent um around me and people in my network already that um i was able to tap Um, I have friends and colleagues that I've approached who are working for some of the big, you know, hedge funds or big investment banks like Goldman Sachs or um, Morgan Stanley that, uh, you know, as quants and kind of pulled some of them away to, to, to be able to work a little bit here and there. Um, And then some other people who uh, I've I've worked with are like, hey, this is interesting. This is cool. I'd like to be able to, you know, uh, contribute and work. So we've got a core team of about five, um, some other uh, CS engineers, as well as people who have had some more experience working in the financial industry. Uh, And so we've been, uh, yeah just hard at work trying to get the, the code up and running. So at the top, as of now, everybody's kind of doing it on apart from one person, uh, a part-time basis. Uh, we've got one guy who's, who's currently full-time, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're bootstrapping everything, right? So we haven't taken on any investment because we want to be able to maintain control. I, I, I do get worried about some of the, the VC plays that uh, kind of go on in the space. And some of our competitors um, have taken on some, some decent VC money. Uh, to be able to to develop their systems and develop their platforms. and um, yeah, kind of going back to selling the data, I feel like you might be under a bit more pressure to do something like that uh, when you take on uh, some some of that money you know year suddenly uh, in that realm where the big guys are are more aware of you, they might want to try to uh, uh, speed up growth as quickly as possible at the expense of you know the customer experience. Uh, they might not be in for it for as long as we want to be running this and, and providing this, this service and this capability. Uh, and we don't, just don't want to compromise with our values. So we've taken the longer route, even though we've had people approach us about, hey, how could we maybe invest in this? How could we partner with you? How could we work? And we've rebuffed those approaches so far because we really want to keep it. Um, uh, yeah, we, we want to keep co- true to our principles. We're not too worried about the, about the long-term result. We, we're confident in our product. We're confident in what we're building.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder if you could say more about the the vision that undergirds this. Like, I I understand it's a, it's a it's a fascinating problem. It's it's an uh, an area of of math and of business that interests you. But I get the sense that there's also this sense of kind of mission behind what you're trying to accomplish here. Could you could you say more about that?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. So got to think we're a good place to start with that (laughs) because there are a number of different ways that that, uh, we can go you know when you look at finance um, and everything that's happening economically you know you do see a lot of uh, a lot of manipulation that's out there and it's hard to build trust you know since since 2008 obviously the the banks and the um, brokerages, you know, the big names on wall street have come under a lot of fire. Everybody knew that they were sharks more or less, but, um, it's become much clearer, uh, the cronyism and how deeply that runs. And so we want to try to really provide a fintech, um, solution that's very different and apart from, uh, you know, the typical wall street, um, uh, wall street group, wall street, uh, approach to things and really do something that's, um, that stands apart. Uh, so we are qu- contrarian. I mean, even the fact that we're building something that's trend following, it's not a popular strategy. It's a—it's a, Again, it's a very successful strategy. There are funds that have been doing this for 40, 50 years and have like blown the S&P 500 out of the water um, and a lot of the other traditional um, uh, uh, metrics and indices and other things that, that you'd look at. Um, so, but it's still not popular because it's it's hard to do from a psychological perspective, which I think is part of the reason why it's great to automate it and have a bot do it. They don't have the psychology to, to, to work with.
0: So what makes it psychologically challenging to pursue this uh, trend following strategy?
1: Right. Um, because of the way that it works, it's a bit like phishing. Uh, so you are basically putting a worm on a hook and throwing it out there and anybody who's fished which it's been a long time since i have um so uh maybe i'm not entirely accurate with this but you lose a lot of worms maybe it's just me but um (laughs) you lose a lot of worms in hopes of catching a fish or two so the idea is that you're putting these small bets at risk uh, and you're not really too concerned about each individual bet that you make um, because you're trying to catch a fish. So you'll lose a lot of worms along the way or lose a lot of, you'll get stopped out of your trades uh, quite a bit along the way. And so um, traders have a metric called a win rate, which is basically how frequently you have a profitable trade, right? It's, it's your batting average for trading. Um, and typically you're, you're in, for trend following systems, you can be 30 to 40% uh, win rate, which is pretty low. And so that's hard for a lot of people to go through a lot of losing like that. Um, But the reason why you do it is because just like fishing, you're willing to trade all those, all of those small, tiny worms for the occasional big fish that you get. And so you have this large, this uh, right tail distribution or the skew, if you want to talk about it statistically, um, where you have a, a positive skew of returns. So most of them wind up being losers, but you get a few really, really big winners on the other side. And those few big winners make up for everything and more than compensate for, for the losers. So this is also part of the reason why I feel comfortable sleeping at night with this kind of strategy on is because I know that overall, I'm not going to be, even if everything gets stopped out the next day, you know, I'm down, you know, 10, 15%, or whatever it might be, you might lose 1%, half a percent on each trade in the worst case scenario. Um, but you're set up in this way so that, uh, you know, you can hopefully get a 200, 300, 400, 500, even, you know, 1500% return, depending on the kind of trade that you have, because um, you're just trying to get on that trade early. Imagine if you had got, bought, uh, you know, uh, had a trend following strategy that was following Bitcoin. And depending on where your stops are, you know, maybe you you were getting into that in 2014, wrote it up uh, to 20K in, in uh, 2017 and, and got out of it around, I don't know, Fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. I mean, that's a it's a tremendous return. A lot of trend followers who are doing this kind of thing on Tesla had uh, uh, amazing returns. You know, they're basically just throwing a lot of these hooks out there in the water, knowing that they're going to lose a ton of worms, but they're not worried about it because they know that they'll catch some really big fish uh, in the process. So psychologically, that can be difficult to deal with because you can go through these losing streaks where you check every one of those hooks and it's like, dang it, I lost that worm, lost that worm, lost that worm. After 10, 15, 20 worms that you lose, uh, you know, it can get a bit discouraging. So having a a fully automated system that you're just kind of monitoring at a high level, you know, you can endure those drawdowns. You aren't second guessing your rules. You've done the backtest, you've done the research, and so you can stick with it. So it doesn't do very well um, being marketed oftentimes by a lot of the big Wall Street firms because they're focused on those. Uh, monthly or quarterly returns that they're trying to show investors. Uh, But when you actually step back and you look at it from maybe a yearly, um, you know, a couple of years, five years, 10 years out, uh, this strategy has proven time and time again to actually be incredibly uh, profitable on a compound annual growth rate perspective.
0: Okay. So you've you've been in this game for about a year and you just had your first launch now everybody that I've talked to that's in tech basically has said, you know, no plan survives launch. Like you, th- th- there will be, uh, there will be changes. There will be hiccups. Something's going to surprise you. What has surprised you from the launch of this thing?
1: Right. So um, even my, the way that we've approached the system has, has changed because uh, we launched um, you know a little over what I guess it's about six weeks ago now and um, we we had actually done had a lot of our marketing around building a more general system that can handle uh, diff- a wider variety of strategies and our system still can but at heart it was really built for trend following uh, and so you know we realized that focusing in and narrowing down on that niche, because it's something that, you know, we are trend followers. We like that approach. That's something that we're more comfortable with. And that's something that we kind of built the system um, in mind, uh, with trend following in mind. Um, So we narrowed down on our results or on our our target market uh, a bit more. Um, which has helped. And that also came from a lot of the feedback from our customers. So we've had to pivot a lot of our marketing material and you know, our blog content and other things to really kind of go down harder on that niche. Um, and that's gotten us some good results. It's gotten us some additional customers. It's gotten us better feedback um, and, and really helped out quite a bit um, just to go even more narrow than just uh, you know people who are looking for algorithmic trading, um, but really focus on trend followers who are looking for algorithmic trading and they can't code. Um so that's one area that we have focused on. Um, another you know, I, I mentioned my background and is and everybody on the team really is is much more technical in their approach and so having to learn the skills of copywriting, having to learn the skills of you know even just speaking a bit better <laughs> so that we can get our uh, information out there, video editing all that other stuff that we're trying to work on and trying to improve uh, has been a learning um, a learning process that's very valuable for us that that we're, we're we're trying to work on and always trying to improve and trying to uh, build the feedback you know i'm confident that we can you know deliver great systems we can uh, get all the code working we can do all that stuff and you know build excellent um, technical tools from an engineering side but then it's all the sales and marketing that actually makes a business that uh, you know we have to have to work on more
0: i've definitely found that you really don't. You really can't get to know your. Well, you can't know who your customer is until you're actually trying to sell the thing. Mm-hmm. Like it has, it has to be actually in contact with the market, in, in communication with with your prospective consumer before you can figure out uh, who that person is, who that is really going to sing to. Um, if you if you could do over your development year before you launched. Um, Is there anything that you would have done differently? Anything you would have outsourced? Anything you would have um, accelerated or decelerated?
1: Yeah, I think we would have probably launched with a more bare bones product. I think that we added some features that are helpful and useful, but they aren't necessarily the features that um, are really kind of pushing it for the customer. And we would have found that out sooner if we had if we had done so. Uh so I think that that was a learning that we could have um yeah, I I wish I had a year ago. Uh because we we held off on launching for about you know another six months of development time uh just to just to try to you know polish things a little bit better. And then when you when you throw it out there and you start getting feedback from your customers, and it's very important, like you said to get feedback from your customers and a customer, somebody who pays you not just some random person online who's sending some comments or like asking you some questions about your, your strategy or about, you know, what your system and your product is going to do. That's all fine. But um, until they pay, pay for something, they, they're at the back of the line. (laughs) And so, um, you know, getting those customers sooner even if it's just a handful, even if it's just, you know, a dozen or so customers that you can get and get some real feedback and try to build those relationships and develop that, um, the sooner you do that, the better. So we would have launched with a more bare bones product. We would have uh, cut back on some of the indicators, We would have cut back on some of the um, data sort feeds and other things that we're tying in, some of the different bells and whistles. Um you know, the nice payment integrations and all the other stuff like that, we've just been like, Hey, look, let's just get around to some of these headaches of, of getting, you know, a, a polished product out there and just get it in people's hands, even if it's not the best thing. And then we can iterate and we can iterate much more quickly and be much more focused instead of trying to cast a broader net.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I found in several cases, some some people that I have known to be sort of in this analysis paralysis mode or or over engineering or overthinking a product, um, often it 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 is very much like they 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 really don't they really don't know who their who their customer is. And I can't tell like I I even if I'm trying to like help them figure it out, I'm like I don't know who your customer is. It's going to have to be um, attacked that way and 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 minimum viable. Uh, is cliche in this world, like just get to a minimum viable product, but it's so important to start that conversation. And right. and another thing that I'm finding is like people are sort of like, well, I don't want to be embarrassed by the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think what they don't maybe realize is how invisible a startup can be on like day one, and how like like hardly right. anybody has any idea what that first couple of weeks is like, because you're so little. And so you have this opportunity to, to sort of test and play around and get things wrong. And, you know, maybe alienate a handful of people, but in the scheme of things, the lessons that you learn are are so much more valuable. So that's, that's a good
1: insight. Right. I, and I think that's, it's one of those things that I hesitated even a bit on reaching out to our email list. So that was one of the things that we were trying to build. It was, is a decent email list. And I hesitated because uh, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm not really happy with how this looks. I'm not really happy about how this functions. Sometimes there's a bug here that the back test fails every now and then, like, you know, 5% of the time. But if we get these people using it, I don't want them to you know, drop the product because it's not working. And, you know, you just got to kind of suck it up because you're going to have some errors and you're going to make some mistakes along the way. And so it's better to get those out of the way sooner, um, than later. So even, you know, just reaching out to the email list and and getting encouraging people to come and try it and to play around with it and to break it, (laughs) you know, you can learn a lot from that because there were a couple of, uh, you know, minor bugs, uh, none, none were a big deal, but, um, that our users found for us pretty quickly, and so we we're able to uh, turn that around and, and get a get a better product. You know, after just being notified, and um, you know they were actually quite happy with that, with getting that feedback and being like, "Oh, hey, this isn't working," and then within a day or two, it's working properly the way that they expect it. And uh, I, I think that goes a long way to building customer loyalty, you know, and and to, and to show them that you're responsive and that you're really trying to work for them. And that's another thing that, you know, we're really trying to emphasize within the company.
0: It's almost, I think there's an element of fun in feeling like you're building the thing with them. Like, like, I think, I think they get Mm -hmm. into it. Like, especially in the beginning when you're, you're attracting, um, I think in your case, probably attracting like, quant heavy type people that you already know and and it you give them an opportunity to like kind of put their stamp on it like i i found the thing and i i it and now it's better because i was part of it and you know you give them a deal on the front end you 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 give them a break on the price and and it does it creates this uh i'm 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 thinking of exit now like uh, you know, we, we gave the, we gave the early adopters a, a, a pretty serious discount and, and, um, ab- absolutely, uh, invited and encouraged them to constantly give us feedback about what's working and what's not. And I would say 95% of what we do now is a result of that feedback. It has, it has the, the initial thing is so different from, from what it is now, um, so, uh, w- with that in mind, I wanted to ask you, so right. you're, you're, uh, an exit member and I wanted to learn from you what appealed to you about it, why you signed up and, and what you've seen in the group.
1: Um, you know, a number of people who, uh, are like-minded kind of in their pursuit of freedom, you know, trying to be able to, uh, get out of the, uh, of the rat race and, and, you know, just, a. People who are, who are like-minded community of entrepreneurs, um, people who are builders, doers, not simply just uh, moaners and complainers <laughs> <laughs> about everything that's happening and, and, and to be able to, to plug into that. Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we've, we've moved a lot. So we've met a lot of people from all over the world. You know, we moved, um, we lived in Switzerland, the Netherlands, Ireland, Germany, you know, here the, we moved to the States about four years ago. Um, you know, I grew up here. She's from Brazil. You know, so we know people from all over and um, it's hard to keep a lot of those contacts going, um, especially because they wind up, even though they're great people, it's just you, you have, you wind up being in touch with a lot of people who are um, just because you see them on a day-to-day basis, right? And so um, getting plugged into a more ideologically lined aligned, aligned uh, organization um, that, you know, is dispersed and is distributed, um, I think is helpful for people like us too. Uh, because we are, we're we're on the move quite a bit. And it's just, that's just the, the path we've been on. And um, so uh, I think Exit fits that niche quite nicely of people who are trying to build something, trying to do something, and not necessarily confined to a geographic location. Um, and so the, I've gotten some great advice. A lot of people who have um, provided support uh, who've given me a lot of good feedback, you know, even just getting the opportunity to come here and be able to talk about my company and other things, you know, is, is a, is a great benefit. Uh, and, you know, some of the things that uh, that come out of it.
0: So what is the five year plan, the 10 year plan, or what is the dream? Like if, if, if this thing blows up and goes to the moon, do you want to run this thing until you retire? What do you, what do you, what's, uh,
1: what's the vision for you, for your life? I would like to get it set up um, so that I'm a VP in my own company. <laughs> you know, so I think that there are some times when founders uh, sit on a company for too long and it, gr- and it mm-hmm. outgrows them. Um, you know, if it gets to that scale, then I'm fine taking, you know, a backseat because I... I don't care for the, the big bureaucracy that comes with a larger company. Now, now, when, when would that be like, how big is the company going to be to, to get to that level? I'm, I'm not sure, but um, you know, just from reading a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they might have say a company that's doing 20 million a year, and then they uh, push that to four to uh, to, to 80 to hundred million a year um, just by pouring money in and scaling. And it's just a, it's a, it's, it, it winds up being a drag on their lifestyle. Now, if this is something that is really popular and it can help a lot of people, I'd love it to get there. Um, but I don't necessarily want to be the one who is uh, uh, in charge of that. I feel like it, it slows down. I like being more agile and, and, and faster. And so, if I can, you know, work with our customers, work with others um, at that kind of scale, you know, thinking five, ten years down the road, I, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Um, you know, as I mentioned too, you know, just the mobility that my wife and I have enjoyed. Uh, you know, I like to keep that going. We we like to travel. We like to move. Uh, Long term, you know, just even talking about um, you know uh, our, our goals, we don't necessarily see ourselves staying in the U.S. for for uh, for a while. I mean, that's where we happen to be at the moment, um, but uh, you know, ideally, just uh, you know, having a, a tech business that can be done anywhere um, is is great. It's a great benefit because it does give you that freedom and that mobility if you so desire.
0: If your money problem is just solved one hundred percent, and you can do
1: whatever you want. What are you doing? I mean, to be honest, uh, if it was just solved, I I really like, I, I like teaching. I like teaching people. I like helping them learn uh, in a number of different areas. So, um, you know, I, you know, helping people with their, with their finances is great. Um, also, just a little bit about me is that I also have a master's in uh, Christian mm-hmm. philosophy. And so um, that I had, you know, picked up on the side. And so I, I that's some, that's an area that I haven't uh, explored as much as I'd like to uh, in recent years. You know, I loved it when I was involved in, you know, kind of those big thoughts and big ideas and, you know, reading, um, you know, philosophers, theologians throughout history for the past couple thousand years, but um, something that, uh, yeah, just life hasn't made time for at the moment, especially running a, running a startup, uh, you know, learning languages. That's something um, else that I, that I get a lot of like, A lot of weird pleasure from, I speak German, a bit of Portuguese, um, Swiss German. And uh, yeah, I've been wanting, I've been really wanting to learn uh, Arabic for a while and haven't gotten uh, back to that in in a bit. So it's a bit of a Okay. Yeah. I I studied Arabic in school. So, uh,
0: so we'll have to, we'll have to put on, so what we did was we watched Disney movies. They've got Disney movies translated into Arabic. And of course, since you were, since you're like, uh, I'm a millennial. So like all the, like. Um, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast—you you you watch those as a kid and memorize them basically, so you know exactly what each line is, and it's really useful to to go back and forth to the Arabic.
1: Yeah, I've always found it easy to uh, learn watching kids shows too. So uh, I have a one-year-old daughter now, and so she doesn't get much TV time, but you know, I can at least uh, know all the songs now that uh, for stuff that she watches on the iPad on car trips or the airplane or what have you. So that's, that's helped out with my, with uh, some additional Portuguese practice. Right
0: on. Well, this has been great, man. It's, it's great to hear from you and uh, great to have you in the group. Uh, the website is Trade. You guys can go check it out and sign up if you're interested in uh, algorithmic investing. And if you want to learn more about what we do at exit, you can check us out at exitgroup.us. Thanks, Christian.
1: Yeah. And also, um, if anybody is interested, we do have a promo code available for listeners. Um, if you put Exit22 at checkout, you can get 30% off of your uh, of your order. So we have a yearly and a monthly subscription uh, available for you, but just put Exit22 in and then you'll get a 30% discount. Thanks, Christian.